0: Hello and welcome to episode number 71 of the AFTV Newscast being recorded February 10th, 2017. My name is Elia Saba and I run AFTVnews.com and this is where I talk about the week's fire TV news and usually talk about uh, Echo News and Alexa News and and streaming news in general and that sort of stuff and then I always end the episode with a a big Q&A session where people watching live can can tweet me at AFTVnews, they can ask their questions or I put a post up on Thursdays where I take questions there too so always got a few uh, dozen or so questions in that post to to answer in case there are no questions live should have a decent episode here we've got an uh, update to the prime photos app on the fire tv that should let you uh disable it to save a little bit of storage if you're not using that or if you have a whole bunch of photos in your amazon drive library we'll be talking about that for sure Got a uh, little update or upcoming update that we know about where the home screen on the Fire TV is gonna change a little bit. You're gonna get different recommendations. So we'll be talking about that. Got uh, alternatives to photo apps we'll be talking about. Those are on sale right now. And got update to the Amazon Tap gonna talk about where now it's a hands-free device. So I've got that here, gonna show it off, show you how that works and all the little ins and outs. Let you decide whether you wanna pick up an Amazon Tap now that it's uh, closer to the actual Echo devices where you don't have to actually push the button or tap the button anymore. So it should be a good episode. Uh, Let's go ahead and get right into it. So first up is that update to the uh, Prime Photos app on the Fire TV. This update is uh, only affecting the devices with the new user interface right now. As far as I can tell, uh, those would be the second-gen devices. Uh, the first-gen devices are still going to get that new user interface, uh, but I would think it's going to come in about a month or so. Amazon hasn't said specifically when it's going to come, but we are expecting it in the first quarter of the year, so that first quarter is uh, end of March, so we're already almost in the mid-February, so I'm expecting it you know, within the next month to be released that new interface to the first-gen Fire TV and the Fire TV Stick. Before we get into the details of what changed here with the Prime Photos app, I do want to briefly talk about the uh, latest software version on the Fire TV, uh, the Fire TV 2 and the Fire TV Stick 2 that is specifically. So Amazon has this page. If you're watching the video version, you can see it here. It's their Amazon Fire TV device software updates page, where basically they just list the latest software version and they list uh, the most recent changes to that software version. Uh, and This is where I learned about that Prime Photos app update. It's one of those things where Because it's an app update, not an actual OS system update, it kind of just gets updated in the background in silent. There's no indication that it's updated. So it's one of the things that's harder for me to uh, detect and to to figure out it's actually happened. So thankfully, they actually did update this software update page on Amazon.com to to show details about that. So you can see here, new enhanced features. It says you can now disable your Photos app, blah, 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 which we'll get into. But the reason I want to talk about this first is right up here, latest software version, Amazon has it now listed, so they updated it. When they added this new enhanced feature blurb for the Photos app, they actually updated the latest software version number. Now, the reason I want to talk about it is because I think this is an error. So uh, a lot of people kind of look at this, and whenever it changes, they send, they tend to send me emails letting me know it's changed and and let me ask me what's what's in the software update. Have I received it? Um, I don't think this is an actual software update. So the previous software version for the Fire TV 2 and the Fire TV Stick 2 was version 5.2.4.0, and I think that is. The new software version despite what this page actually says. Uh, The reason is because uh, first off, the 5.3.2.0, which is what the page now says is the latest software version, that is quite a big jump from the 5.2.4.0 software version. Um, Not an unreasonable jump. I mean, Amazon has gone up quite a bit from one version to the other, you know, depending on how long of a time period has passed in between the two software versions. Um, But I don't think they have reason really to go up to a 5.3.2 version from a 5.2.4 version but that's not the main reason why i think this is an actual error the main reason is this build number uh the reason i think this is an error is because these fire tv 2 and actually all the fire tvs their build numbers are always starting with a 5. Uh, it's not unheard of for amazon or, or a software company to to change the build number drastically for whatever reason but in the past it's always started with a 5 and now it starts with an 8. Uh, More so, this build number is actually the exact same value as the software version number of the new Prime Photos app. So if you go into your app settings on the Fire TV and you look at that version number of the latest Prime Photos app, it matches this build number exactly. So I think this build number is not the build number for the new OS update that's supposed to be coming out. It's actually just a mistake. Somebody, when they came in and edited this page to add the new info for the Prime Photos app, decided to put the build number for the Prime Photos app where the build number for the Fire TV's OS should be. So. Uh, my opinion i'm just saying that right now so uh in case people go here and they see this is a new version number that is higher than the one they have and they're wondering why they haven't received it yet i think it's a mistake i think it's going to get updated and reverted back to that old fire tv you know os and build number that we previously had with the 5.2.4.0 so just wanted to put that out there let you guys know there for those of you who are actually tracking the fire tv version numbers and keep a, a close eye on that maybe as much as i do all right now back to the actual prime photos app that got updated and what it is bringing to the new devices um, first like i said it is a app update a system app update so the fire tv itself comes pre-installed with certain apps like this Prime Photos app, uh, like the Amazon Music app, you know, there's a whole bunch of different system apps that are on there. And at any point, Amazon can push out a update to those apps. Those updates do not show any notification at all. It's not like a system update where you actually are told there's a system update and Fire TV has to restart to install it and all that stuff. These just get downloaded in the background and when the system is idle, they get updated uh, just in the background and then, you know, they're just there and updated and, and changed. Uh, I wish Amazon would use the new notification center that they added to the new interface to actually notify you of these system app updates, but unfortunately they do not do that yet. Hopefully somebody out there who works at Amazon is watching or listening uh, and will maybe make that change because it would be handy to let people know when a system app updates because when you go into the app and you see it has changed, it's kind of abrupt and you know, it's nice to know that that has actually happened. So the main change with this new Prime Photos app is now you have the ability to disable it pretty much altogether. so that it does not download your photos from your Amazon Drive. Uh, For those who don't know, the way the Prime Photos app, or previously, actually, I think it was just called the Photos app, but with this latest update, they've changed the name to the Prime Photos app. But for those who don't know, uh, this app basically lets you view photos that are stored on your Amazon Drive. Uh, Everybody who has an Amazon account gets a free uh, allocation. I forget exactly how much, maybe it's five gigabytes or so of free prime sorry a free amazon drive storage if you're a prime member you get unlimited photo storage on your amazon drive And so this app lets you view those photos that are stored there. One of the problems, though, is that the Prime Prime Photos app on the Fire TV has to actually download those photos or at least some of them onto the internal storage of your Fire TV itself. And you guys are well aware that the Fire TV and the Fire TV stick only have eight gigabytes of internal storage of that eight gigabytes, only about five or so gigabytes is usable. And if you've already got stuff installed, apps and games on there, you probably don't have much uh, internal storage left. And so if the Prime Photos app is just downloading gigabytes of photos from your Amazon Drive for you to maybe look at them if you want. Uh, that could be a problem, and that has been a problem. And so I think this update to the Prime Photos app is mainly to address that concern. So essentially, if you go into your Settings app, well, well first of all, like I said, that new software version number for the Prime Photos app is eight zero one zero two seven one one zero, matching exactly to that supposed new build number for the Fire TV OS. But if you go into your uh, Settings section on the Fire TV 2 or the Fire TV Stick 2, and go to Manage Installed Applications, scroll down to your Prime Photos, you'll see whether you have this latest version. If you do have this latest version, then you can go down into the Settings section of the Fire TV, go to Apps, and then go in there, you'll find a Prime Photos Settings area. When you go into there, you'll see this new option to enable or disable access to Prime Photos. And basically what that does is it prevents the app from downloading any photos from your Amazon Drive. It also prevents the app from opening altogether. So if you are disabling it just you know assume that you're never going to use that app. You can enable it and disable it on the fly at any point, so it's not like when you disable it, you're blocked out of it for permanently or anything like that. You can totally disable it to save that internal storage, and then later on, if you happen to want to look at some photos through it, you can go in, enable it, open the app. But just know it's probably going to take a little longer to show you those photos because it's going to have to, you know, freshly download them. While the app is in the disabled mode, if you try to launch it, you'll get a little message basically telling you you have to go in and enable it so it's completely uh, locked out and disabled when it is in that disabled mode. Uh, just to show you my personal Fire TV, I have a lot of photos stored in that Amazon Cloud Drive. You know, I have paid that $60 or so to get unlimited storage there. So I do a lot of, a lot of file backup and all my photos are backed up there. And so on my personal Fire TV, before disabling it, I had 2.44 gigabytes available to me. And then after disabling the Prime Photos app, I had 3.92 gigabytes disabled. Obviously, you know, for me, it was about one and a half gigabytes saved or, or, you know, removed from the actual internal storage uh, when I did disable that option. But obviously for each person, it's going to be different, you know, depending on how many photos you have stored and how many the app has actually downloaded itself. Uh, It's important to note that even when the app is disabled, it is still going to use Use roughly three to four hundred megabytes worth of internal storage now that's because the prime photos app does more than just actually show you your own photos from the Amazon Drive it's actually for example it's in charge of the screensaver on the fire TV and so even if you have the app disabled it's still going to have to store those those uh, high resolution photos that Amazon provides and you know those nice landscape photos that you see in the uh, fire TV screensaver there's no way to disable that screensaver altogether There's no way to disable the app from downloading those photos altogether so that three or four hundred megabytes is still going to be used by the app even if it is disabled all right next up i want to talk about a change that's going to come to the fire tv's home screen in the near future most likely Uh, so amazon has a developer documentation page basically where they lay out different things that developers can take advantage of and recently actually just a few days ago they updated that page to reflect a change that's coming in the future Uh, they say this is coming in quarter two of 20 17 or sooner, Um, so basically apps are going to be able to recommend content to you on the Fire TV's home screen. If you're uh, a Netflix subscriber or an HBO Now subscriber, you've probably already seen this in action where if you go to your home screen, you'll actually see a row that says Netflix recommends and then there'll actually be content that's only available through Netflix or not only, but there'll be content that's available through Netflix and basically Netflix itself, the app, not Amazon, but Netflix is actually pushing that through the Fire TV's interface and making that available to you there so you don't have to actually dive into the app to see those recommendations. So back a few months ago when Netflix actually got fully integrated into the Fire TV's actual interface, into the Fire TV search, uh, it was a long time coming, but finally that, that got added. Uh, this was one of the things that Amazon added, but it was kind of only on a special case scenario where I think Netflix and HBO are one of the few apps that actually get to do this where they can actually push in recommendations. And so according to Amazon's developer documentation, it looks like they're going to open up this ability to almost any app that you have installed on the Fire TV. Uh, it'll probably be it to only content apps, I assume, you know, apps that actually stream video, stream content. You know, I don't expect a game to have a row where it's recommending levels or recommending things to do in the game. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they are going to limit it only to videos, movies, TV shows, that sort of stuff. So different apps that actually can stream content on the Fire TV might start to show up on the Fire TV's home screen if you have the app installed. Now, I do stress that if you have the app installed, so it's not like you're going to just get random spam from apps you've never heard of or never never used or never installed or don't have installed. That's not going to be the case. This is only going to be apps that you actually have installed on the Fire TV, and it's not going to be at the top of the home screen or anything like that. It's going to be you know down below, so you're going to have to scroll past the usual you know recent stuff that you've done, the, the list of apps, um, and then down below there. Eventually, you'll probably get to different uh, rows of recommended content from within apps. Now, we've got some comments in, in this post that I, I wrote about this feature that should be coming up in the next few months. Uh, some people don't like it because they don't want stuff added to their home screen. They prefer their home screen just to be blank and basically just to be a list of apps or a grid of apps. Uh, I mean, that's to to each his own. Obviously, Amazon wants you to use the Fire TV and wants to give you reasons to use the Fire TV. So they're going to try to recommend content for you, recommend things to watch. And so if you are using a specific app, uh, I think, you know, my opinion, it's probably a good idea to actually see recommendations from a specific app that you have installed you know on your home screen so you're not diving into each different app when you're trying to find something to watch Got a question here from Laurie on Twitter, who just popped up saying, uh, "Even the free legal apps, not just the paid ones?" Question um, mark. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. You know, this isn't going to be just Netflix and and HBO and and Showtime and those those kinds of apps. I assume uh, apps like Crackle will be able to do this. I'm not sure if a Crackle even does this already. Honestly, I, they might be one of the ones that can already do this. But you know, any app basically that's streaming, it seems like is going to be able to do this. Uh, I don't know for sure. I don't know if there's going to be any kind of special communication between the app. Creators creator and Amazon in order to get this privilege to to show content on the home screen. I mean, the way the documentation is laid out, it seems like any app developer is just going to have like an API, basically just like some standardized way of making this happen. So um, I assume it's going to be open to any apps, including free apps. It would definitely be nice if there is an option in the future where you can actually, you know, turn off recommendations from specific apps um, that could be done either on Amazon side or on on the actual app developer's side. Uh, I'm sure the app developer from day one can definitely provide that option. I doubt most of them will because it's kind of like a way for them to advertise their app and advertise their content on the home screen. So I bet most of them will not be adding a feature to turn it off. Hopefully, maybe down the line, Amazon adds that kind of feature where in the settings, you'll be able to select an app's recommend, you know, or basically remove access to the home screen from a certain app if you just don't want it there and you want to clean up that home screen a little bit. But we don't know if that's going to happen. I don't expect it to happen from day one. But if you, you know send emails or send feedback to the app developers that you use and also to Amazon that you want that kind of feature, You know that's the way to get something like that added to the Fire TV. All right, moving on, next up, I wanna talk about this app deal that popped up or a series of app deals that popped up sort of related to the Prime Photos app that we're talking about because these apps are photo related. So there's a developer, he's a pretty good developer on the Fire TV's app store. Uh, he has the set of three photo apps, one for Google Photos, one for Flickr, one for Shutterfly. And I think he also has one for uh, Microsoft's OneDrive and uh, there's one more. I can't remember what it is, but but the, the Google Photos, the Flickr one and the Shutterfly one, they're all on sale this week. Usually they're priced three ninety nine. Now they're down to two ninety nine. And basically these apps allow you to view your photos from these three services on the fire TV. Uh, each app does its own service. So if you have photos on multiple services, you are going to have to buy multiple apps. Unfortunately, it's not just an all in one photos app, well, although I wish it was, but you know, the developer's choice to what he wants to do with his apps, obviously. But I personally use the Google Photos app. Uh, I purchased it you know, a few years ago. I don't use it too much because, like I was saying earlier, I have most of my photos stored on Amazon, but I do still, you know, I use an Android phone and it does auto sync its photos up to Google Photos. So sometimes there's a photo that I took with my phone that I haven't synced up onto Amazon's drive so then I can access it uh, through this app on Google Photos. So I'll put a link down below in the show notes. These apps hopefully will stay on sale for a little bit longer give you guys a chance to pick them up on sale Uh, save that extra buck if you want Uh, the apps have been 99 cents in the past all three of them have each been 99 cents but that sale was very brief and it has not come very often i think it was only once maybe twice at most so even though these apps have been cheaper in the past it's not very common for them to to go on sale so if you wanted to pick them up now uh, here's your chance to save a buck. Right, moving on. Next up, I want to talk a little bit about Alexa. So if you're watching this on your TV or somewhere where you have an echo or a tap or some kind of device that can, that can be triggered by me saying the the A word, uh, probably a good time to go ahead and mute that device right now. So Amazon has announced that uh, Alexa voice services are now available in the UK and in Germany. Uh, Alexa voice services or AVS for short uh, basically are what allows a device manufacturer to incorporate Alexa capabilities into their device Uh, by Alexa capabilities. I mean, literally you can talk to Alexa through that device. So Alexa is very open. Uh, It's one of the most or probably the most open uh, voice assistants out there, you know, compared to Google, compared to Apple, Siri, compared to uh, Microsoft's Cortana. Amazon's Alexa is by far the most open one. So basically any manufacturer that has a device that has an Internet connection and a microphone that's pretty much the, the minimum that is required can actually incorporate Alexa into it. And they use they do that through Alexa voice services. And so that has been available in the U.S. for a little while now. And we have certain devices that have Alexa built in and a lot more coming down the line. I'll put a link down below to, to some of those uh, if you're interested in looking at that. But uh, now UK devices, German devices are going to be able to incorporate Alexa voice services. This is different from Alexa Skills Kit. That's the other side of the whole Alexa development atmosphere or ecosystem. Uh, Alexa Skills Kit, ASK or ASK for short. Uh, that is what allows uh, people, developers, you know, hardware and software to allow Alexa to control their device so basically ask alexa skills kit are essentially you could think of them as apps for alexa whereas alexa voice services avs that's what lets you put alexa inside of another device that amazon themselves is not manufacturing so the main reason this is all relevant to the fire tv is because while uh the amazon echo and the echo dot have been released overseas in the uk and in germany uh Alexa itself has not arrived on the Fire TVs and Fire TV sticks in the UK and in Germany, and and a lot of people are waiting for that to come. And so I think, you know, Amazon hasn't said anything official, but I think the fact that they've actually opened up Alexa to device manufacturers in the UK and Germany now probably means they're getting a lot closer to getting Alexa onto the Fire TV and the Fire TV stick. Again, they haven't announced when it's going to come. I still absolutely expect it to arrive at some point, I would imagine. I mean, the fact that they've opened up uh, AVS to other device manufacturers doesn't necessarily mean it's like right around the corner because from day one, when they actually open up AVS to device manufacturers overseas, uh, it's usually probably months before you see any actual device released with AVS. So it's still a long time away. So it's not like we're going to see other devices in the UK and Germany with Alexa built in before we see the Fire TV and fire tv stick in the uk and germany with alexa capability so hopefully in the next month or two i would expect you know based on this announcement we're going to see alexa come to the fire tv and and fire tv stick finally in the uk you know again amazon hasn't said anything but the fact that this news has been announced uh, about avs being available overseas is is good for fire tv owners and fire tv stick owners overseas as well Okay, next up, the last bit of news before we get into the Q&A section is that Amazon has actually pushed a software update to the Amazon Tap that allows hands-free, you know, commands with the Amazon Tap. Uh, For those who don't know the Amazon Tap, it's a little uh, portable speaker, basically. It's similar to the Echo and the Echo Dot, but it is portable. It has a battery inside, it charges, and it lets you talk to Alexa, you know, through it. And before, you had to actually, as the name would imply, tap the button uh, to speak to Alexa. You know, the the main reason they probably did that initially was because, obviously, it's a battery-operated device. And so, if it's always listening, then the battery is going to drain quicker. Uh, But I guess maybe they've worked out the software a little bit better where it can conserve that battery good enough. So, they've gone ahead and enabled the option for uh, Amazon Tap owners to go ahead and actually make it hands-free. So for those of you with Amazon taps, you can uh, go into either the Alexa app or into the web portal, which is at alexa.amazon.com and go into the settings, select the actual tap itself. And in there, you'll see an option, just a little toggle to toggle on hands-free operation. And when you do that, it'll give you a little uh, summary of the different options that you could you know, do hands free, which I'll, I'll go over right now with the actual uh, device. So I'll go ahead and switch into full screen mode here. For those of you watching the video version, I'll be as descriptive as possible for those of you who are just listening to the audio version. Um, but basically, you've got the uh, Amazon tap here. And uh, for those not too familiar with it, uh, it's about the size of a like a 16 ounce can of soda, if you if you're familiar with those or beer or or energy drink or whatever, um, you know, so it's taller than an actual regular, you know, 12 ounce can, but just about that you know diameter uh, around and it's a nice little device. I mean, if you can go want to go back to when it was first released, I went over it in uh, the podcast episode right after uh, it got released you know, to the public. So I won't go over all the features or anything. I'll just talk about the actual new Alexa capabilities. So um, first of all, the reason mine is not waking up uh, when I say Alexa multiple times is because it is currently in sleep mode. And so you can see here on the back, there is a power button. Uh, and if that is not lit, then the device is in sleep mode. And so once you uh, just tap it, then the uh, light turns on and then the device is awake right now. And so obviously I can just press the button and talk to it or I could just say, Alexa, hello. Well, that didn't work. Where I am right now, the reception, the Wi-Fi reception is not so great. So it might have a little bit of trouble, but basically, Alexa, hello. Hi. So there you go. Um, pretty straightforward. When you, when you say the magic A word, uh, it will light up the little uh, usual indicator. So, you know, normally when you actually press the button, Hello? Hi. It will actually, you know, light up those. But, you know, when you actually say the A word, the wake word, it will uh, light them up, give you a little beep that it's actually listening. You could just talk to it. Uh, You don't actually have to pause in between saying the wake word and actually, you know, waiting for the beep and, and speaking. You can just speak straight through that beep if you wanted to. That works just fine. So Amazon normally states that the uh, tap can have nine hours of continuous playback on a full charge. Uh, I have read that they've stated that it has eight hours of continuous standby, I believe, if the actual, you know, hands free mode is turned on. So you can kind of gauge roughly what the battery life is going to be. So obviously you're going to get worse battery life. If you uh, have that hands-free mode turned on, but you can always put it in that sleep mode and that basically conserves the battery. And so you just have to tap that while it's in sleep mode, it won't wake up to the Alexa keyword. So, as you could see, but you can still tap the button and have it wake up. And now it's going to get totally confused because I'm talking over it. So, you do actually have one other option uh, uh, instead of actually putting it into sleep mode, if you don't want it to respond to the hands-free mode, assuming it is in hands-free mode, uh, you can actually press and hold the play-pause button. and then. Once you do it long enough, it'll mute itself and indicated by the red lights there. So now, even though it is on and not a, not asleep and has the hands-free turned on, if I say Alexa, it's not going to respond. Uh, basically, just another way. I don't see how that could be very useful. I mean, if you've got it muted, I guess it's like a temporary way of keeping it from waking up. But you might as well just put it into sleep mode. Um, Maybe, I oh, actually, now that I think about it, if you've got music playing and you don't want it to respond to hearing Alexa for whatever reason, you can mute it, but the music will just keep playing. You know, that's something you can't do while it's in sleep mode, obviously, because it can't play music while it's in sleep mode. And so you just basically press and hold the actual play button again. And then it will get out of that and then be back into, you know, hands-free mode where you could say Alexa. So the other thing actually worth mentioning is that the uh, tap, just like the Echo and the Echo Dots, supports the Echo Spatial Perception, ESP. It's that feature that allows if uh, multiple devices in your you know listening vicinity. If you say the uh, Alexa keyword or the wake word, uh, only the device that's closest to you will actually respond. And so the tap works that way, too. It can hear you surprisingly well even though it only has the one microphone, or I assume it's only one microphone. So the uh, Echo and the Echo Dot actually have a ring of seven microphones around it so that it can hear you from anywhere in the room and actually uses that to actually like triangulate where you are and where the person speaking it to it is. Even though this one has just a mic, one microphone in my little initial testing, it actually works pretty well to, to listen to you or to hear you. Uh, it's obviously not going to work as well as the Echo and the Echo Dot. So I don't see this as a full on replacement for something like the Echo and the Echo Dot. Um, but, hey, if you've got it just sitting there somewhere, you know, in its dock, it does come with a little charging dock. If you've got it sitting in its dock, you should be able to just, you know, be at least somewhat close to it. And, and ask it to do something or to respond to something where I don't expect it to work as well as the echo and the echo dot is when there's actually like loud music playing or there's a lot of conversation happening in the room. The echo and the echo dots are surprisingly good at actually picking out that wake word and actually hearing the command that is trying to you know be said to it. Whereas this one, I expect because it only has the one microphone, it's not going to do such a good job while music is playing. I haven't had a chance to fully test it out yet. Um, I do have this charging in my house fairly close to the actual Echo. And so if I'm in my living room, for example, where I have the Echo, this is just kind of like around the corner. And a lot of times when I actually talk to the actual echo itself, I hear this actually beep and wake up and actually hear the wake word. And so that's it surprised me a few times where I was, you know, it actually heard me when I don't I didn't think it would. But thankfully, because of that ESP, the actual echo device is closer to me. And therefore, this thing doesn't actually respond, even though it is the further device. All right, let's move on to the Q&A section. As always, on Thursdays, I put a post up asking people to submit their questions and topics for me to to try to answer and discuss here on the episode. Uh, People who are watching live can tweet me at AFTV News. They can tweet their questions. I'll answer them live as they come in also. Uh, we've already got one here from Joe Vitale, uh, asking, The Fire TV 2 on more than one occasion hasn't woke up from standby after sitting for a few days requiring me to power cycle. Any ideas, he says. So, Joe, this is... Uh, it's not probably that your fire TV isn't waking up. It probably is waking up, but what's probably happening is it's not actually doing the handshake correctly, the HDMI, HDCP copy protection handshake with your television. Certain televisions have this issue. It's usually the television itself, not the fire TV where they just, you know, if they don't do the handshake initially, they don't do it later on. So they they'll do the handshake when the thing powers on. But then when it wakes up, the TV doesn't know to redo that handshake. And so therefore the fire TV cannot actually establish that HDMI signal, video signal connection. One solution to this is to put something in the middle between your Fire TV and your television to actually do the handshake for you. Uh, This could be something like an AV receiver that takes in HDMI and then it has an HDMI out that goes onto your TV. I know those are expensive obviously, so if you don't have one of those and you don't wanna go buy it just to fix this problem. But what you can do is buy a little um, HDMI splitter it costs about 15 20 bucks on Amazon. I'll put a link down below to one that I own. But basically, that splitter, even though you're not going to use it as a splitter, if you just put it in between your Fire TV and your television, that splitter will maintain that handshake with your TV indefinitely. And so, when your Fire TV actually wakes up, it will, you know. Be ready. Um, another thing you could do, you don't have to actually go in and tur- pull the power off of the Fire TV and put it back in. What you can do, even though you don't see an actual picture on your TV, because like I said, your Fire TV is actually awake, it's just not sending video out. What you could do is hold the uh, play button and the center button on the Fire TV's remote. If you hold that for about five or 10 seconds, that'll in- initiate an actual software reboot. And so the Fire TV itself will restart as if you pulled the power and put it back in and it should be able to re-establish that handshake so if you don't mind actually just pausing you know 30 up to 30 seconds or so for the actual fire tv to restart you you at the very least don't have to get off of your couch but really the only surefire way to get to get around this and fix this is to get that little HDMI splitter and that's what i found you put that in between there and it'll handle the handshake for you all right next question here is from master blaster saying uh what can we do for you as a community to support the site Um, That's very nice of you, Master Blaster. um, But really, I mean, the only thing, the best thing you guys could do is just uh, visit the site, you know, read the content, share the content with your friends if you think it's interesting. Um, You know, Damien here suggested donating to me. I mean, you really don't have to do that. Um, Just you visiting the site, listening to the podcast. I mean, if you're listening to me right now, you're among the, the very few elites that actually visit the site that care enough and enjoy my content enough to actually listen to the podcast and listen to me ramble off for an hour about this stuff and so you know you guys are the best fans the 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 best of my audience already so i don't really expect you guys to do much more master blaster is also asking what kind of things do you like to do honestly this right here i mean you know i like tech i like gadgets i like messing with them that's why i started the site that's why i picked up the fire tv to begin with because it looked like it had potential to just mess with it learn about it and you know, do things with it that you might not be able to do with something like a Roku or an Apple TV. And so this is, you know, this site, even though it is my main source of income, it is also my biggest hobby. So I, I do enjoy this, you know, I mean, in general, just I'm a, I'm a tech nut. I'm a tech geek. So anything tech related, that's usually, you know, what I'm into. My next question here is from Simon. He says, if I leave Cody and open the YouTube app on my Fire TV 2 and then press play, sometimes it makes a File in Kodi start to play in the background. What the heck is going on? I think we've actually we had this question one or two episodes ago, somewhat, but um, it does seem like it's it's happening quite often to people. Well, basically, what's happening? uh, I'll I'll talk about the actual you know the feature that's that's actually being engaged here, and then I'll talk about the actual back end, you know, uh, developer side of things. Um, First of all, the Fire TV, what people don't know is it actually has the ability to play music. From an app in the background while you're doing something else inside of another app, so uh, you know the Fire TV supports the option to open up either uh, Amazon Music or Pandora or some or Spotify or some kind of music app on there. Start playing music and then exit out and go into a game or go into the photos or or do something else, and you're still supposed to be able to control that music with the media buttons on the remote. So pressing play will pause the music even though the app itself is not for in the foreground and open so that's basically what's happening here so when simon is uh when he leaves cody and goes into youtube Cody's still running in the background and accepting those play commands and it thinks you're asking it to start playing something um the way to stop it the surefire way to stop it is to actually exit cody and not just press the home button and go to the home screen because when you press the home button, Cody it closes, but it doesn't really close. It just stays in the background open. And so if you go to the Cody home screen, there's an actual option. I think lower left corner of the previous interface. I don't know the new interface exactly where it is, but there's an actual exit button. And so if you go in and actually select exit, Cody will close and fully close. And so you'll never have this problem where when you're inside of another app and you happen to press play, it will actually you know start something playing in cody in the background so on the developer side of things what's actually happening uh, are two things so there's something called audio focus and there's something called um like what is it a media button request or, or or you know control of the media button something like that so these apps that can actually play music and play videos music more so than videos but the video apps do this too they can actually. They need to request audio focus so that what they're playing is, you know, the main thing that's playing because only one thing can really have audio focus at once. And they also need to request uh, focus for the uh, media buttons themselves so that you know a background app doesn't actually you know claim that focus. So most likely the YouTube app itself either is not requesting one of those two focuses correctly. That would be my guess, or. Cody is not releasing the focus on one of those two things you know either it's not releasing audio focus or it's not releasing the media buttons once it falls into the background um, it's technically not supposed to because Cody is a music player and so you might want it to play music in the background so it's kind of like a balancing game because both of these apps one is running in the background one is running in the foreground you know YouTube is closed and in the background you Sorry, Kodi is sort of closed, but it's still running in the background. YouTube is now open in the foreground. Both of them can play audio. Both of them can play video. Both of them can control the media buttons. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, the two are fighting each other. So you can't really blame either one. Um, What Kodi should probably do is remove focus because it is in the background and give that focus to the YouTube app. But it's possible that there's just a bug there somewhere either in in the Fire TV or in one of those two apps where it's not working well. But Surefire Way exit the app completely, Cody. specifically, if an app does not have an actual exit option, you can go into the actual settings, applications area of the Fire TV, go to manage applications, scroll down to the application, and go in there and force stop the actual app. Obviously, that's a lot to do, and you don't want to do that every single time, but it's the the only real surefire way that you won't have this issue. Our next question here is from Mike says, any word on Fire TV 3? I'm assuming a spring release based on history, he says. Um, I actually talked About this in depth in the previous episode, episode 70. So, uh, Mike and everybody else who's interested in Fire TV 3 talk. Definitely check out that episode. I went into it in depth. Uh, personally, you know, in brief, I don't think it's going to come in the spring. I think it's going to come at the end of the year, near the holidays. You know, that October, November time period. All right. Next question here is from CD Lenford. He says, "I miss quickly double clicking the home button to get the app I want. Since being on the second gen stick, I now have to hold the home button to select app icon and then find the app I want to launch. Double click is still recognized, but only to tell me I can't double click." Any workaround or hacks to restore double-click app launcher? Uh, no, unfortunately, C. D. Lentfort, there are no workarounds right now. I mean, back when uh, what was it? The 5.0.5.1 5. software update, Amazon pretty much you know squashed all the abilities to detect the actual home button. For apps maybe if the device is rooted but you say you have a second gen stick and those have not been rooted at all so i know you're you can't root that's not an option but as far as i know there are no ways to to actually detect the home button anymore unfortunately uh, next question here from tiki says is there a release date for amazon's reboot of the tick yet uh no unfortunately not yet they haven't said anything so far as far as i know as far as all the news that's out there the tick you know the remake of the tick that amazon is gonna be uh uh paying for basically is still green lit it's still being worked on it's probably in production right now i would imagine it's going to come out sometime this year but they have not said when that's going to be, unfortunately. I will obviously post about it on the site whenever we do hear about it. So, you know, you can keep an eye there for when that news actually does come out. I like to keep track of all of the Amazon original content news. Um, I'll put a link down below directly to all of my articles about Amazon original content. Uh, There's a specific link that uh, will filter out just for those articles. And so you you can keep checking that or just check the main site. All right, next question here from Name Game says, does anyone have a working method for a Gen 1 stick on a pre-rooted ROM to install a functioning Play Store. I see many reports of Play Store apps not downloading. Um, I do have myself guides for how to install the Play Store. They are a little old by now, and I don't go back and just keep them constantly updated, mostly because running the Play Store on the Fire TV or the Fire TV Stick, even if the device is rooted is very flaky at best you know it'll work you know initially and then you know down the line there'll be updates google will make changes and things will just stop working or or actually what's a more common is the uh, play store itself still loads but the, the app selection is limited because the play store does not recognize the fire tv or the fire tv stick and so therefore it doesn't know its capabilities and therefore it does not know which apps to make available through the actual play store so there's really never going to be a rock solid, you know, way of installing the Play Store on the Fire TV and Fire TV Stick. Um, you can look back at my guides. I'll put them down below. That'll kind of get you going. You might have to try looking at the latest versions of the apps that are in those guides, you know, to sideload onto the Fire TV. A uh, root is required for that, but it's just something that's never going to work really that well. Our next question here is from John C asking, uh, a while back you posted on how to sideload Google Play Music onto the Fire TV, which I did and worked great for a while, but lately with the recent Fire TV OS changes, the Google Music app seems to act a bit funky. Is there any kind of update on how to do the same kind of side load with the latest Fire TV OS version? Uh, I have heard about this. Um, I came across some people talking about this on XDA. I will put a link down to the forum thread about this. I have not looked into it myself to know if they've actually figured out a fix for this, but um, again, check out that thread, that'll probably be the best place for a solution. Uh, I'll try to find time to look into it myself also and maybe update that guide that I have. Uh, John C. has a second question about pairing Bluetooth headsets. He says he has a Sony Bluetooth headset that he tried to pair with the Fire TV 2 and it didn't work. Then he picked up another off-brand headset and uh, that also wouldn't pair with his device and he's wondering if there's any suggestions there. Fire TV Bluetooth pairing can be a little bit finicky, I've found. I've never had issues where not something did not pair at all. Um, but uh, it's usually the the first time I try to pair something, it, it might not pair. But then if I try a second time, it'll pair perfectly. Um, obviously, I, I'm assuming John C has already tried pairing multiple times. Um, but if you're not able to pair two different headsets, I imagine maybe something wrong with Fire TV itself. Um, only thing I could suggest is a factory reset but, you know, obviously a lot of times you don't want to do that. Yeah. Other than just leaving the actual Bluetooth headset powered off and maybe reset uh, it, you know, disconnect it from other devices completely. And then, you know, try again when everything is fresh, everything is booted, you know, fresh, you know, the Fire TV and the headset. Uh, other than that, really, I can't really recommend anything. Our next question here is from Tony. He says, I plan on updating my rooted Fire TV 2 from pre-rooted ROM 5.0.5 to the latest pre-rooted ROM from RBOX. Uh, But what are all the main advantages of the new ROM versus the old ROM? Thanks again. So I'm not going to go over all the changes from 5.0.5 to the latest software version. But if you go to the very top of my site, click the updates button. Basically, that's a list of all of the update features or all the new changes that have come with every single software version. And so on that page, there's a view options. And when you open that up, you can actually disable different devices. And so uh, if Tony has the Fire TV 2, then he can just basically... uh, only show updates for the Fire TV 2, And then you can just scroll through this page, listing all the different changes, all the different articles related to those changes. And so that's that's basically your best bet. You know, I'm not gonna go through all of this, obviously here on the podcast, but this page basically lists everything. Again, it's at the very top of my site. Just click that updates button, takes you right to this page. All right, next question here from Rag says he uh, updated from uh, Cody 14 to Cody 17 and he says he lost the ability in his keyboard.xml file to control the volume amplifications and to skip forward and back exactly 30 seconds. He's asking if I can help him restore this ability. Uh, I imagine that because it's going from 14 to 17, that's a really big jump. You know, There were a lot of updates in between those that maybe something changed as far as the configuration of the keyboard.xml file. Um, Kodi 17 still does support custom keyboard or key mappings, so you should still be able to achieve what you want i assume your your best bet to figure out what's going on and how to to make these changes is to go to the cody wiki i'll put a link down below directly to the article that's relevant Uh, the cody forum also is a great resource those guys are really great really nice so i'm sure they'll be able to help you if you can't figure out yourself Um, You say you installed some add-on to configure this for you. Best bet is actually to just modify that keyboard.xml file in a text editor yourself and transfer it over to the Fire TV. I don't know what the add-on's doing. Maybe the add-on itself has not been updated to work with the latest version of Kodi because Kodi 17 was just released. Really, I recommend going to the wiki, the key map section of the wiki, I'll link down below, read up on exactly what has to be in that XML file to work the way you want it to work and um, the Kodi Wiki also also has a page dedicated to the Fire TV itself with a section specifically to key mapping for the Fire TV's remote control so between those two you should be able to to figure out what's going on if not Go to the Cody's uh, forum. They're really great. They'll help you out there. All right, next question here is from Jim. He says, I'm wondering if the newest Fire TV OS includes an app switcher like on the Apple TVs where you can double press a home button and all open apps will show up. Uh, No, unfortunately, Jim, kind of like what CD Lenford was asking about, uh, there's no kind of app switcher anymore on the Fire TV. They've removed that. The best thing you've got is the actual they call them shortcuts. So if you uh, press and hold the home button, you'll get this little shortcut menu that pops up, and you can jump into apps and you can jump into um, settings. But there's no way to actually see what apps are currently running and switch between them. Uh, Jim is also asking if there's a way to disable Wi-Fi on the Fire TVs, but it, uh, he has a Fire TV too, and he's concerned that the remote itself uses Wi-Fi, and he's wondering why does the remote not use Bluetooth? That way you can disable Wi-Fi and not actually lose functionality with the remote. Um, First off, there's no official way to disable Wi-Fi, but you can sideload. I believe you still can do this. I haven't tried this on the latest version, but you usually can sideload a settings.apk file from a smartphone. Uh, If you search around Google, you'll be able to find some and download them and and upload them. Not all of them work with the Fire TV, but with that settings.apk file, it usually allows you to access some more settings that the actual Fire TV settings app itself or settings section does not have like disabling wi-fi or disabling bluetooth and that stuff be very careful what you disable there because if you disable wi-fi for example or disable bluetooth you might not be able to control your fire tv anymore to go in and actually you know re-enable it so absolutely be careful it's an easy way to basically soft brick your fire tv by going in and messing with those settings and disabling radios like wi-fi or bluetooth Um, Yes, the remote on the Fire TV 2 and the Fire TV Stick 2 does use Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi Direct. So I imagine if you disable Wi-Fi, that remote will just completely stop working. As far as why Amazon switched to Wi-Fi versus Bluetooth, I suspect it's mostly because of the game controller because the game controller itself uses a headphone jack or has a headphone jack. And so Wi-Fi Direct is a much better way of transmitting audio uh, with low latency or no latency so that you have that audio in sync. Bluetooth is just notorious for basically having lagged late audio so you know the audio you're hearing is actually not in sync with the video that you're watching so that's my guess but the fire tv 2 did have all of those issues with that wi-fi remote and i have heard a lot of people having issues with interference and disconnection with wi-fi um, so Jim is asking, uh, he's ho- or he's saying that he hopes they switch to a Bluetooth remote on the next version. I wouldn't be surprised if that actually happens, uh, you know, because of all the Wi-Fi issues that have come up with the, the current gen's remotes. All right, Jim's third question is, uh, do you agree with me that the Amazon App Store has a lot more app selection than the Play Store? And he's also asking, how can he request for an app to be made? Um... I do agree that the Amazon's Fire TV app store has a lot better selection than the Android TV's app store. Um, I don't think the Amazon Android app store, you know, for smartphones and for tablets, has a better selection than the Google Play Store for smartphones and tablets. So it's like Amazon has the better TV app selection but uh, Google definitely has the better smart home and tablet app selection. So that's, that's my opinion there. As far as requesting an app to be made, uh, really all you could do is go into like forums and comments and, and make a request that way. There's no real like official way to submit a request for an app to be made. Next question is from Ralph M asking, did you try enabling the Plex Alexa skill? If so, did it work for you? And do you need Plex Pass for it to work properly? Uh, Yes, I did enable it for myself. I actually set up a a Plex server and set up the Plex skill and and went ahead and and tried it out and set up my whole library just because I'm mostly a Kodi user for my local content. Uh, Not a big fan of Plex because of the the, Plex has some uh, audio audio surround sound issues on the Fire TV. It doesn't support as many codecs as Kodi does because Plex basically supports the codecs that Android supports by default, and Android does not support a wide selection because it relies on the apps themselves to support those codecs. And so Kodi itself has codecs built in, but Plex does not have all of the uh, different uh, surround sound uh, audio codecs. Yeah, As far as it working, it worked. It worked fairly well for me. It was kind of flaky. Usually when I got it to start working, it would be stable and keep working so I could just continually ask for different things, for it to start playing something, for it to pause, for it to rewind, and that sort of stuff. But a lot of times if I you know hadn't used it for a little while and I went in, launched the Plex app, and actually made a request, you know, to Alexa to uh, do something through the Plex skill, it sometimes wouldn't find the server, sometimes it wouldn't find the actual player itself. So, you know, it's still early days. It's it's very nice when it works, you know, and I would say it works at least 90% of the time. Um, I wish there was a way for the skill to actually launch the Plex app on the Fire TV. It would be really nice. That's kind of like the biggest thing is like I I have to pick up the remotes or or anybody. You have to pick up the remotes, open the Plex app, and then you can request something. So... It's not as handy to start playing something as I, I was hoping it would be, but it is handy to like stop and pause if you've already got something going or, or change, you know, an episode or start a movie or something like that, you know, going from one thing to another. Uh, but just the fact that you have to actually manually launch the app still just means like I'd rather just. Might as well just use the remote then to, to find what I want. As far as requiring the Plex Pass, I'm pretty sure I still have not found out 100% whether uh, the Plex Pass is required, but I'm like 90, 95% sure you do need a Plex Pass to use the Alexa skill. Um, you gotta remember, Plex is a fairly big company. I mean, now they've got, got a bunch of employees and they are you know, supporting this app. They've got a very nice free version, but you know they gotta support themselves somehow and that's they do it through the Plex Pass. And so, you know, I'm a Plex Pass subscriber, I have it, and I think it's it's well worth the money. All right, Ralph M has another question about uh, Wi-Fi issues. He says since updating his Fire TV box to the latest OS uh, last month, he says he's having instable Wi-Fi and he's wondering if there are any solutions to it, or if he should actually contact Amazon, see if they'll replace it, or if they would replace it. Um, you could definitely try contacting Amazon. I don't know their whole replacement policy. It kind of usually depends on the customer service rep that you're talking to. Also, if you're within that one-year, uh, you know, warranty period, obviously. Um, as far as actual Wi-Fi issues go, I haven't really heard anything about you know widespread Wi-Fi issues with the latest software version. One thing you could definitely try is to change Wi-Fi channels on your router. Uh, the Fire TV itself does have like a little Wi-Fi signal checking thing so if you go into the settings area and go to the Wi-Fi area and highlight your actual Wi-Fi connection I think you could press the play button and it'll do like a little analysis and sometimes it'll recommend you change to a certain channel that it detects has less uh, interference on it so that's definitely something you should try but other than really changing the channel um, I can't think of anything else you could try doing. So if you can't get it to work, definitely try contacting Amazon. All right. Last question here from Raul Plaza asking about the Fire TV sticks getting the new uh, interface. Uh, I did talk about it briefly, but I'll mention it again. Uh, the Fire TV One, first-gen Fire TVs, that's the 2014 model. And the Fire TV Stick 1, those are the uh, 2015 model that came out in, in 2015. Uh, those are going to get the new interface it has not rolled out at all to any devices yet any first gen devices yet so we don't know exactly when it's going to come it is going to come i personally expect it to come in about a month or two at most because i think i read somewhere that it was supposed to come in the first quarter of 2017 and so the first quarter of 2017 ends at the end of march so i expect the new interface will come to first gen devices by the end of march All right, that will conclude the 71st episode of the AFTV Newscast. Thank you so much for watching and for listening. Uh, If you're watching on YouTube, please click through, hit that like button if you enjoyed the episode. And hopefully if you stuck around to to the very end, I'm assuming you enjoyed the episode. Otherwise, what are you doing? You know, sticking around this long. Um, But yeah, uh, hitting that like button really helps, you know, get a little bit more exposure. Um, Subscribing to my YouTube channel also helps. I know I haven't put up any videos recently other than the actual podcast videos, but, you know, hopefully I'll have something down the line uh, shortly. But uh, also, if you like the uh, audio only version, you can definitely subscribe through any of the podcast clients, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play Music, all the different, uh, you know, Overcast, all the different uh, podcast clients usually allow you to subscribe that way also. Now that I actually think about it, there's a very slight chance that I might miss next week's episode. I don't know, but just definitely want to mention that right now. For those of you who have stuck around this long, um, very slight chance, I'll I'll, I'll try to find out and post something ahead of time. But again, thank you so much for watching and hopefully I'll see you next week. If not, then the week after that.